0: I know you're always happy to know that I have a new recording set up this time, too. Always, always, (laughs) always
1: switching it up for Cortex. Just don't tell me. (laughs) We record maybe 12, 14 times a year. (laughs) How many different arrangements do you need? I don't know. Are you going for, like, 12 different arrangements a year? (laughs) No, Mike, Mike, that'd be ridiculous. I just just change
0: things when I think it, it might be an improvement. And so now what I have is remember I was using the splitter before uh, and you were like oh I didn't even know that was possible that kind of got into my head of like oh maybe the splitter is a bad idea I don't know so since I have two of those things you plug microphones into I thought well let me get one of my old microphones and so now I have two microphones on the desk <laughs> you doing a press conference? <laughs> no I'm not doing a press conference <laughs> but I've got two microphones on the desk uh-huh. One is going to the Rode L1, which is going into the computer, which is what you're uh-huh. hearing me on. But the second one is going into my Zoom F6, which is just on the desk and isn't connected to anything else. And so we have a completely physically separated system Ooh. of microphone and recorder. This is the most ludicrous of your arrangements, but my favorite. Oh, okay. See, so you don't mind when I keep changing this stuff, right? We just you change things to make it better over time. So you like sure. this one? This this one you're finally okay with?
1: Because <laughs> you've not introduced anything that could potentially harm the main recording. Like I really didn't like the XLR splitter because it it will make an effect mm-hmm. because it, as we said last time you were splitting the analog signal. Yeah. I don't like when you change, you know, when you brought in your incredibly complicated field recording sound assistant setup uh which you're using right now. The Zoom F6. Yeah, I'm using it right now though. Because Love it. great piece of equipment that Zoom F6. I just continue to be confident that you don't know how to use it. <laughs> so you know, it's Mike, like that's yeah. outrageous. Uh, well, slander. <laughs> Slanderous. That's, com-
0: that's completely outrageous. Right. It's completely outrageous that I wouldn't know all the numerous menu button options and and things to flip and switch and and I certainly wasn't not recording in thirty-two bit last time when I thought I was. Like that wasn't happening. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I like there's no problem with this thing and I love it.
1: But I like that these are now that your two systems are completely isolated from each other and I assume better than when you used to just put a microphone somewhere in the room, which was a thing (laughs) that you used to do, right? Just like, oh this is number one (laughs) over there. So do you have two arms like microphone arms well now you're zeroing in on
0: the thing that you'll like less but no I don't have two microphone boom arms that would be ridiculous
1: one of, just, one of the microphones is just laying on the desk <laughs>
0: No. <laughs> no, that would be that would be absurd, Mike. Yeah. Uh, two microphone boom arms. So I've one microphone boom arm for the main microphone. Mm-hmm. The second microphone is is using my old handy dandy Stephen Hackett recommended microphone stand that's right. on the desk. The travel stand. The, no, it's, it's a microphone stand that happens to be it happens to be useful for traveling, yeah. but it's also perfectly fine for just having on the desk. I
1: agree with this because so many things have gone wrong Where I want that audio, that I'll Mm -hmm. take it. You know. (laughs) So that one, that one's on the desk.
0: I've used the standing desk to elevate it so that it's roughly on level with the main microphone. It is a little further back, but I think it would be fine. You know, because it will be totally fine. I know, I know, you like that right on top of the microphone sound. That's your favorite radio sound. (laughs) Yeah. So it's like I don't know, eight inches. Further behind where the main microphone is, but I think that's good enough for a, mm-hmm. for a backup recording. So, anyway, see, I thought you'd like this.
1: It is absurd to me how much time we spend talking <laughs> about the hardware. <laughs> it's like how, how many minutes, how many hours have we spent in the last two years just talking about <laughs> how you're recording? But you got to keep the levels levels, Mike. Like, I that's, so. you know, if the levels aren't leveled, you got a real problem. Levels, levels. You know, while we were talking about just behind the curtain, setting up for the show. <laughs> no, we don't. We don't need to day- talk. We don't need to talk about all the behind the scenes. No, we can talk stuff. about stuff. Not everything though. needs to be brought up. No, no. <laughs> Two things that so I think we're recording a day late and maybe the earliest in the day that we've ever recorded the show.
0: I think. Yeah. No. We've we've never we've never uh, started a recording at. 10 a.m.
1: <laughs> yeah, this is this is new.
0: This is super early for you too, because your whole schedule has shifted to America time. Oh, this is man. like a 5 a.m. podcast recording for you.
1: I would still be like booting up <laughs> at this time. I had to wake up specifically early today to make sure that I was caffeinated <laughs> before we sat down. This is purely because you didn't look at your calendar for the schedule that you set. <laughs> That's why we're in this mess.
0: Yes, I I 100 I <laughs> percent accept responsibility for this. This is totally my fault. Uh-huh. We're also recording this early because I hadn't looked at my calendar, basically for the month of June, or sorry, basically for the month of January. No, Gray, I'm keeping the that The first in. week of February. I'm keeping that
1: flub in because you just perfectly <laughs> explained the situation that we're in. You think it's June <laughs> and it's February. It's not even January. <laughs>
0: <laughs> look, I have no sense of time anymore. I
1: think that's evident.
0: Yeah, I live <laughs> in a dimension without time, right? Yeah. And as far as I know, I have lived in this dimension for eternity, and will continue to live in this dimension for eternity. Mm-hmm. So it it is, is not is really not an exaggeration to say like, oh, I sort of forgot to look at my calendar for like six weeks and yeah. <laughs> then missed our recording. So, yes, I completely accept responsibility for this situation. And we're recording this early because the only other time that we thought might work would be Valentine's Day, which mm-hmm. is like causes other problems as a recording day. This is actually quite funny <laughs> to me.
1: So. First off, Grace said, What about next week? And I said that I would prefer not to do it next week. And then the next day that you gave me was Valentine's Day. And I was like, I could, I actually could make that work because (laughs) we are doing something for Valentine's Day, but we're doing it the day before because we have ordered this meal kit. Oh, that's why. Okay. So Mm -hmm. it's coming on Saturday. So we're going to do our kind of Valentine's thing on Saturday. Right. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I mean, sure. Like you recommended it. I was like, I can actually make it work. And then you were like, "Let me go check." And you were gone for a really long time, like a really <laughs> long time. And uh, during this, I was talking to Adina and I was like, "Oh, Gray's going to be, you know, we're not doing it today. We might do Valentine's Day." And she went, "Really?" <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "Yeah." It's like that doesn't seem right. I've been talking to Mrs. Gray, and I'd be very surprised if Valentine's Day is a thing. And then you came back with like three days out of the days and i was like ah, i knew it because your initial thing was let's do next week and then we ended up doing it the next day which means valentine's day was a no-go <laughs> <laughs> yes I, I think i think your wife
0: do some things about my valentine's yes. day that i was not aware of <laughs> correct yeah i think that's the case <laughs> Uh, so here we are so anyway here we are
1: (laughs) but the only way that this ever came to light is i had like a sense that you didn't know we were recording sometimes i can feel it right like it's just like in the air and i'm like i haven't heard from him and he hasn't made any amendments to the show notes yet so i don't think gray knows we're recording today so i sent you a text message to, to alert you. Mm-hmm. But I understand you had some issues with even that message.
0: <sighs> I don't okay, okay. You're going to get me started on like a whole thing with this. Mhm. Okay. So, listeners, you may be aware that I try to keep my phone in a very locked down situation. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, so yesterday when Mike was trying to like let me know that we had a we had a podcast coming up. What happens for me is that I have downtime set from eight pm. until three pm. every day, that's the way it works of like, okay, I want the outside world not to be able to bother me outside those times. And so three p.m. rolls around, and you'll notice like like when I was messaging you, it was it was very shortly after three. Yeah the timer goes off. And so why is it that I that I know that you sent me a message so quickly? It's because, oh, the little alert badge right shows up now on the dock of my phone. It says like, "Oh, you have." one message. So I open it up and I can see in the little the little sidebar there it says, You have one message from Mike. And so I'm like, oh I wonder what Mike has to say today. I wonder what's up. Was literally my thought. Like I didn't even know it was Thursday like I didn't cross my mind for a second that like there was a recording that was coming. So I go to tap on your message and I don't get to see your message. Instead, I see this screen that tells me Communication limit. Mike Hurley is not in your contacts. Your screen time settings only allow you to communicate with contacts. Then there's a button at the bottom that says, Add Mike Hurley to contacts.
1: You sent me a screenshot of this, and I think my response to you was, What a way to find out I'm not in your contacts. Now, <laughs> I'm going to just naturally assume I am in your contacts because you have a contact image for me at the top of the message, which is my little uh, Mike.live character, which I thought was, was funny because I can imagine, like, because your uh, iMessage is uh, your CGP Gray logo. And so I like yeah. to believe that just all of your friends, you just you know them by their logos, not their faces it's like a purely logo based contact system
0: that that actually is true for everyone I know who has a logo who's in my iMessage I just use their logo I didn't even re- really think about that but it's like yeah why wouldn't you put people's logos as their I
1: understand it image yeah I have a picture of you <laughs> right instead but there's just something funny to me there which I'm assuming you're getting to is clearly I'm in your contacts yeah also I just want to be clear before, before we begin here I'm not remotely trying to blame
0: screen time for, oh, I forgot that there was a podcast episode. That was totally no, my fault.
1: This this is this is point two now. This
0: is point two in why is Gray's life so hard? And this, this like, <laughs> I was thinking, like, back years ago to whenever it was that Apple introduced their whole screen time downtime system. And they're like, yeah. oh. We've got something great for you. And I'm very certain that whenever we recorded whatever that Cortex was, I was quite cautious about this, even though everyone who listens to the show is like, oh, Gray must be so happy. Like Apple's finally giving him what he wants. And my thought has always been like, this stuff is hard to do. There's lots of weird edge cases. You can run into all sorts of unexpected problems when you try to block parts of the system. I doubt that anybody's thinking about this as in like in the way that I would want them to think about. All of that is true. But what is also true is that it kills me how much of a buggy mess the whole screen time downtime system in Apple is. And this is one that started popping up in the last year, which I find infuriating. And it's like, okay, Apple, when the downtime timer ends, and so now I should be able to use everything on my phone just randomly decides some days that I'm literally not allowed to talk to anyone, right? <laughs> and it puts up this message which is like, oh, this person's not in your contacts. It doesn't matter if it's you, it doesn't matter if it's my wife, <laughs> right? It's like, no, this person's not in your contacts. You can't talk to them. Your parents never heard of them. It's incredible. And it's just a bug, like it's totally a bug. And what I love is you can see in this screenshot, it's a bug because I have your custom contact photo (laughs) set at the top, right? And so if I press that button on the bottom, which says, add Mike to your contacts, nothing happens. Because I'm already there. You're already in my contacts. (laughs) And so I can press that button a hundred times, nothing at all happens. And so the only way I could talk to you on my phone to get this message was to completely disable the entire, not just downtime system, but screen time system, which means every setting that I've ever done has to be completely reset in order to just see. What did Mike send me today? I wonder what he has to talk to me about. I have no idea. I cannot begin to tell you what an enormous hassle that means to have to turn off and back on again screen time if you also want to block some apps. It is an incredible pain in the ass. So I'm constantly, constantly frustrated with this system and I'm doubly frustrated because of all of the bugs in it. I feel like, does anyone at Apple use this like i I just i can't understand what's occurring like my best guess is that it's you know since it's mainly designed for parents it's like some parents use it and i guess they just don't care like if their kid's phone becomes totally unusable sometimes because of weird bugs one of the other ones that I, I sent to you was you and I. We needed to do a little a little call about Cortex brand. We had some mm-hmm. haha business conversations to have.
1: It's, it's one of my favorite memes. That one doesn't get used enough.
0: It's great, haha business. Yeah, that'll never die. And so we had to do haha business. And I was out in the park. I was like, oh, let me let me use Siri. Let me give Mike a let me give Mike a call. So I say, Siri, call my friend Mike. And Siri goes. Sorry, Gray, I can't make calls to Mike Hurley during downtime. Oh, that's interesting, because one, downtime isn't on right now. (laughs) That's that's an intriguing piece of information to tell me. Thanks for letting
1: me know that. It's not connected to now. (laughs) (laughs) On top of this,
0: You know, someone who's listening, who might have set up one of these systems is thinking, oh, great. Don't you know there's a setting that you can flip, which says allow all contacts during downtime or like you can add in approved people to be able to discuss things at certain times. Yeah, I know those buttons are there. I don't think they're connected to anything. I literally think they are connected to nothing. They just don't work. They don't do anything at all. They seem to change absolutely nothing about the way that the phone actually works. There's one more of these just to give you the, my final like trifecta of mm. things that really infuriate me. So I'm going to I'm going to send another one to you. So, you know, Mike, I like to track my time. Mm. And last year, I was trying to think, OK, I always want like a consistent way to be able to track my time. And I thought, oh, you know what? Let me do this with shortcuts. I'm going to set up shortcuts for all of my timers so I can tell Siri, you know, hey, track reading or track writing or track whatever and so i can just say it and it's great little timer runs nice and consistent you know turn it into something that you never have to think about cool it's great spent a lot of time getting a ton of timers set up all works super nice no problems and then i don't know a couple months ago for no reason siri starts telling me this oh what do you see there mike Sorry, I can't do that because screen time is on. This just started happening for no reason. That Siri refuses now to take any voice commands that are connected to a shortcut. But when screen time is on what an interesting sentence that is not downtime not the thing that doesn't allow you to use parts of your phone i just realized i can't do it when screen time is on right but here's the thing that is a bug that's that's that little warning there is incorrect because siri will work when screen time is on just not when downtime is on so this again is another piece of evidence of like no one's looking at this yeah no one's reading this no one's proofreading even the messages that are coming up which are wrong and also uh, as soon as the first time i saw that i was like okay cool no problem i'm sure they must have added a setting somewhere where i can go to say allow shortcut access to via siri during downtime no there's no option for that there's nothing anywhere. I have been increasingly going crazy over the last year with all of the downtime and screen time stuff because I think they just keep adding more and more stuff and it is getting buggier and buggier and it was never solid to begin with. Mm-hmm. And again, to anyone listening at Apple, I, if I always feel like, it, please, I'm just asking for like the world's most basic thing. I don't want to see some kinds of alerts in the morning, but I do want to see other kinds. I do not feel like I'm asking for something crazy, but like, I don't know. The bugs are getting so bad that I might have to just completely revert this entire system and not use it anymore. Because often enough, when the thing that happened yesterday, which is I can't talk to you until I turn off screen time, happens, that means. When I re-enable screen time, I have to manually tap one by one every app on my phone and watch to be approved to use. Except the three that I don't. There's no like approve all and do it in reverse. And let me tell you. There's all sorts of things that you never even think of as apps that you have to approve both on the watch and on the phone. You don't even think of the camera as an app, but it's an app. There's tons of stuff like that.
1: The goal for you, right, Like just to refresh people here for why you want to use the downtime system, which it's connected mm-hmm. to screen time. They're all like, it's all one big thing. And downtime is where it basically means that during times that you set, there are certain types of apps that you can't use and also you can control who's getting in your way and like notifications being hidden and stuff like that, which is like anyone that listens to the show knows that's why it sounds so perfect for you, right? Because this yeah. is exactly what you want, but it just flat out doesn't work right. Yeah. I mean, like in, in theory, the,
0: the story that Apple sells is exactly the solution to my problem. Hey, your phone can be basically silent in the morning except for like the timer alerts that you want or the omni focus alerts that you want and you can also approve your parents and your wife to get in touch with you if they need to in the morning but nobody else can bother you. That's what they tell you is is supposed to be accomplishable with this system, but it's totally not. It is a lie and I just wonder how many people on the face of the earth have even tried to make it work the way that it's supposed to. It's just it is by far one of the worst working systems in the Apple ecosystem. And I, I've had to I've had to learn like not to do this on any device except for my phone, because if you introduce the existence of other devices, it becomes even worse so uh, Mm -hmm. i think one of my favorite ones is i discover like oh if i want downtime on my phone but i also turn on like oh yeah synchronize with other devices it will block on my computer every website on the whole of the internet (laughs) and you cannot whitelist sites forever you can only whitelist a site for that day (laughs) And it also blocks subdomains differently. So you can be on one website and have to approve its four subdomains every day if you wanted to say, like, be doing some researching on the internet while also not getting iMessages. Okay, can't share on any device either. Like, it's
1: it's incredibly frustrating. (laughs) This episode of Cortex is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. 2021 is looking up. There are new beginnings and new opportunities to grow your business if part of your strategy is adding new members to your team linkedin jobs finds the right person quickly and to make things better your first job post is free linkedin is an active community of professionals with more than 722 million members worldwide and getting started is easier than ever with new features to help you find qualified candidates quickly You post a job with targeted screening questions and LinkedIn will quickly get your role in front of more qualified candidates. You can manage job posts and contact candidates from a single view on the familiar LinkedIn.com as functions are streamlined onto one simple screen. And you can do all of this from your mobile device no matter where the day takes you. That's how LinkedIn Jobs can help you hire the right person faster. I think it's super awesome that you can really easily filter through review and rate applicants from the mobile app. This seems like something I would want to be able to just dip in and dip out of, especially if I had a lot of openings going on while maybe while I'm on the go. So having it accessible to me, that's great. And look, LinkedIn is the first place people think of when it comes to connecting and engaging with colleagues and potential colleagues. Also being able to list your open positions there. That's a no-brainer. LinkedIn Jobs also makes it super easy to promote your openings to the right people. That's what I would want, to meet people where they are to get the right hire. When your business is ready to make that next hire, find the right person with LinkedIn Jobs. And now you can post a job for free. Just go to linkedin.com slash cortex. Once again, that's linkedin.com slash cortex to post a job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Our thanks to LinkedIn Jobs for their support of this show and Relay FM. I think the problem here is this whole system serves two purposes. One purpose is parental controls, and that's probably working fine enough because the bugs, I mean, that's what the kids are taking advantage of, so they're not complaining, right? Yeah. Kids aren't going to their parents and being like, oh, this isn't working. That's exactly what they want to happen is that it's not working. <laughs> and probably most of the time the parents don't know. But also a lot of the downtime stuff, that's probably not used. I would expect too much. I don't know. Maybe it's just like certain blocking of apps. But this whole system was introduced as a like political statement type thing. There was like one year where both Android and iOS (laughs) were like, hey, we're helping people with their devices now not to use them. And they both did it the same year. It was like a couple of weeks apart. Because leading up to that, there have been a lot of conversations and a lot of reports written about like, Oh, man, I wish I could remember the phrase that was being used. Like, digital well-being, I think, was the phrase. And that was actually what Google called their system. And it was this idea of, like, addiction to devices and all this kind of needing, like, limits and all that kind of stuff, like, as adults as well, which Mm -hmm. I still agree with as, like, a principle. Yeah. But Apple implemented this system, I think, to say that they have done it and then hasn't really seemed to do much with it since. They've brought it to other devices, to varying levels of competency, Mm. but A, it's not really evolved in any of the ways that it could. Oh, yeah, there's a lot of potential. And B, they seem to not be addressing the fundamental (laughs) problems of it either. I
0: I think you're right. I didn't think about this as a sort of political PR move that has then been mostly abandoned. But that does align with my experience. Like, you know, suddenly Siri shortcuts not being accessible through voice. That totally feels like, oh, someone's kid somewhere figured out a workaround, you know, to get on the internet using Siri voice and shortcuts. And so they just closed that loophole but they did it poorly
1: because it's got nothing to do with screen time
0: yeah and it's it's like it doesn't have anything to do with anything but someone just quickly hard-coded it in like oh yeah don't let siri uh interact with shortcuts during any any kind of downtime or screen time right which is just to like fix this fast and don't think about how it interacts with anything so yeah your theory i think sounds right i just sort of i sort of forgot that it, it was part of the the year of like, oh hey, look, all us big tech companies, we're trying to help you manage your own life, and it's like, oh, that didn't that didn't work out very
1: well. As a typical rule, no company can be trusted to solve the problem it has caused. Yes, yeah, because it just doesn't align like, with the incentives in the same way. I'm sure that there are people inside of Apple that really believe in this system. Yeah, like and really want it to exist. I'm sure there are people that work on it at least some of the time. But stopping people using their devices is in complete conflict with Apple as a company, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know? So, like, you're, it's not going to get a lot of time. Neither is it ever going to be yeah. on by default, right? All yeah. this downtime stuff. Like, during the setup of your phone, it's like, okay, tell us how many hours a day you're allowed to use this thing. Like, it's ne- You're never going to see that. Because... They need you to be engaged and loving your phone. They don't want you going, oh, phone, you're stopping me going on Twitter again, because that <laughs> reduces your satisfaction with the product. So it's like it's in complete opposition to the entire rest of the business. Whether they believe in it or not is not the issue here. It's the fact that like it, it's never going to get put into prominence because it's going to reduce people's satisfaction with the phones. Yeah.
0: And I think there are very few people who are trying to use this system in the way that I am of like, oh, but Apple actually really want to use your devices quite intensely. And I'm just trying to like tweak it. Like I am, I am totally not the the normal use case. No,
1: but you are the intended use case. Like you are trying to use downtime exactly what it's for. You're making use of every feature that they offer, but it's just not working for you. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Like, I think a very good argument, a very good argument could be made that the way you try and set your phone up is how we should all have them set up in a way that works for us. Right. Whether it's like for a lot of people, and I should probably fall into this camp, it would be in the reverse that like it would get to a certain time in the evening and it all shuts off. Right. You do it in the morning uh, mostly. Right, okay. right. But like, the, there is a very good argument to be made because you want to like wind
0: down the day is that is that what you'd be trying to achieve?
1: yeah, okay, so I'm not still checking Twitter at one thirty in the morning, so this system, the underpinnings of this system that's all really good stuff, right? Mm-hmm. You know, limit my usage of these apps, limit them during certain times, only allow certain people to contact me at certain times and do all of this automatically every day on a schedule that I set. It's all really good stuff, but it seems to just fall apart all the time. It's also frustrating
0: because I was I was trying to think like okay ins- instead of just being mad like what are you know what are some of the things that could be possible and, and I think I feel like I, I would want two changes. To just ignore like this whole system of like, okay, I'm not a child here. You know, I don't need to use this like I'm a a child. I'm just trying to manage notifications. It's like, okay, Apple, could you give me two things? One, I would like real notification settings on the watch instead of just this option of like you can mirror the phone or not mirror the phone, which I still can't believe is in place. Like you still don't have fine grain control over notifications on the watch. It's just like a yes or no option. The second thing that I would really love is allow notifications to be changed by shortcuts. It's like I would like to be able to run a shortcut which then changes notification settings for apps, right? Like that is, I feel like, come on, Apple. This is the power you, like let the people who are really picky and who care about this stuff Use shortcuts for this sort of thing. Like, we can now have shortcuts run at an arbitrary time in the day. I think that would really go a long way to accomplishing a lot of the stuff that, you know, someone trying to use their device without getting distracted in a professional manner might want to set up in like a picky way. I feel like that would be my number one thing. Like, let me just forget this entire system that I hate and doesn't work very well. Just add notification preferences as a changeable item in shortcuts. That w- that would be my big request to try to fix this. But I am I am not optimistic about that because I I do think you you really you know you make the point that it's like it's not in these companies' interests to spend a lot of time on this sort of
1: thing. I say, again, I have no doubt that there are many people inside of these companies, Google and Apple that, that believe in this and want this thing to work but somewhere yeah. up the chain it's going to fall down and it's not going to be made a priority and I think it's pretty clear for Apple specifically here that it's not made a priority because I mean the last time we spoke about this I think in detail was probably when we did our screen crimes episode in 2019 right nothing's changed mm-hmm. except it's getting worse in some yeah. places <laughs> Yeah, nothing's changed except
0: this Jenga tower has gotten a little taller and a little Uh shakier. That's that's basically what's occurred. Uh, Although I'll actually add an asterisk into this, which is, I mean, I'm, I'm sure you've noticed this as well, but one of the other things around annoyances about trying to manage notifications and managing your own attention is, since a year ago, like Apple sure has increased the number of notifications that
1: apple sends me oh they love it don't they oh check out this new thing we're doing
0: yeah and there's nowhere that the setting exists for no i don't i don't need a notification to let me know that there's a free trial for your fitness plus like yeah you know oh no apple you'll be shocked to hear that i'm not interested in buying a subscription to apple news not interested thanks but there's nowhere on the phone that I can shut these things off. Just the other day, the DJI app on my phone put up just a blatant ad. Mm-hmm. Oh, hey, there's a new product. Like, you can now buy this thing. And my understanding, maybe maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong about this, but I thought that was against Apple's App Store policy.
1: It used to be, but nobody followed it. And then they changed the rule. So it's not against the rules anymore. Did
0: they change the rule? Oh, yeah. interesting. I didn't know that. Okay.
1: Because no one was following the rule. And so it, they changed the rule, and then in changing the rule, they could do as many hats <laughs> as they wanted as well. Right. So I think it was like, well, if no one's going to follow this, we might as well take the rule away, and then there's no rule that we need to follow. Okay, that makes
0: okay that that makes sense, and is also very motivated reasoning that makes me sad. And again, just just makes me feel like, oh, I'm going to be some kind of digital Amish person. That's where this is just going because i know it's such a small thing but i feel very sensitive to those couple of notifications from apple about hey sign up for this or sign up for that i don't think the number of these is going to go down as a function of time it's only Mm -hmm. going to go up as a function of time and you know there's just with no way to control it it i don't know it makes me it makes me sad and it makes me really frustrated
1: the rules say that you have to the apps have to provide you with an explicit opt-out but nobody does oh yeah no i don't i don't think there's a an opt-out in that
0: dji for sure
1: no because they'll just say it's not an ad we're just letting our customers know about something they care about (laughs) an ad oh no (laughs) everyone wants new drones Come on! I mean, is it the little one, the Mavic Two? Because it does look super cool. <laughs> uh, no, I think it was the. Um,
0: there's a new version of their pocket camera. Uh, I think that's what oh, it was. Oh, okay, right. I mean, to be fair, I do really like their pocket camera, and I will totally buy one. But like, not because they sent
1: me a notification on my phone, right? It's it's like it's infuriating. It's fascinating company, DJI. I continue to be fascinated by them because I can't remember in modern history. A technology company that has so dominated an industry. Yeah. yeah so sure. incredibly dominated an industry. Like, they are drones. Like, and every other drone, it seems almost pointless to buy because every time a competitor comes up with something, they just obliterate them like i remember the gopro drone it's like oh look how cool this is and then they released their what their first small one i think it was the mavic and it Mm. was so good and there were some problems with the gopro one gopro just abandoned the project because it's like well (laughs) we can't beat that yeah they're a fascinating company but like similarly they do those what is it like the osmo pocket i think is the one that you You like, right? Where it's got a little screen on it. It's like a little camera with a screen on it and it's got like a gimbal on it and stuff.
0: Yeah, I don't know if I've ever ever talked about it, but like that little Osmo Pocket is my favorite camera like that i guess is probably the best way to put it it's it's an amazing little thing and and i've been kind of curious about when they're coming out with the second one
1: well then it was right for you that push (laughs) notification yeah (laughs) (laughs) they knew (laughs) yeah
0: but see the thing is i'm actually i'm the kind of person who sets up a google alert for that so that i just don't have to check on it just you know let me know google alerts thanks i don't need to know on my phone at nine thirty in the morning, that there's a new there's a new pocket camera that's out. They're an interesting company, and they're totally dominating. And if I was GoPro, I would be terrified for my life. Yeah, I think GoPro currently has an edge in the action camera,
1: but only just. DJI have only just made their first one, right? Like they they they. I think they're on version one of their action camera, and it seems like it's pretty good. I, I don't I don't think. I think GoPro is long for this world at this point, which is such a shame because you know it's such a strong brand. Like, yeah, GoPro became like just it meant a, a thing like Hoover, right? It's yeah. just like GoPro is the little cameras, but they seem to have just lost that ground completely.
0: Yeah, when the when the DJI Action camera came out, it was definitely better than what GoPro had on offer for their next two generations. The GoPro Nine is out recently, which I would say is better than the uh, dji action camera i think it's significantly better for a bunch of reasons Uh but at this point dji's action camera is like two years old Uh i don't think they've been doing nothing in the last two years so uh, like you know if, if, if i was if i was gopro i'd just be like please let their next action camera be terrible um but, it, but I would actually expect, like, it's probably going to be way better than the GoPro 9 if history was anything to go by. So
1: My favorite thing that DJI does is their mini drone because it weighs 249 grams. Oh, it's that one, right? I haven't seen those, but yeah.
0: I, I absolutely love that. That's That's very, like... don't know it borderlines on like malicious compliance yeah oh what's the weight limit
1: yeah it's kind of just feels very punk to me and if you don't know why that's funny because if you have a drone that weighs 250 grams or more in a lot of places you have to register it so if you're under 250 you can fly it as a consumer however you want about registering it but Mm. the thing that i like the most is they print 249 grams on the side of the drone oh
0: okay Th- that's actually good, though, Like, because the big problem with the drones is traveling with so them. So you can and, prove yeah. it. That is both a like great idea and also
1: a little bit of a middle finger is kind of what yeah, it fun. feels like. And I, and I like that in all the, well, their marketing materials, they just talk about how easy it is to pack it because it's so light. Like They don't mention the fact that the reason it's 249 is because it means you can get around the <laughs> registration. Levels. Drones are so cool. <laughs> I wished I had a reason for one, you know? All right, so a couple of years ago, we shared our screen time data with each other, because for all of its problems, what is interesting about screen time is it's collecting information about what you're doing on your devices, how much time is spent in apps on different websites, uh, what you're doing when you first pick up your phone, and how many notifications you get. And there can be something kind of interesting in there because you know, we believe, as, as people, we feel like we know what we're doing on our devices, but in practicality, our devices know that better than we do. Okay, I didn't realize that you wanted to do the screen times, screen, God damn it no, I'm doing so it again. You did it to yourself. So- I don't even have to set you up anymore.
0: <laughs> I didn't realize that you wanted to do screen crimes today.
1: Well, I just felt like the perfect right. lead-in, right? We just complained about it for half an hour.
0: I get it, but I'm just going to say, what this means, though, is so I opened it up on my phone. You realize I only have data, from three p m yesterday oh,
1: until yeah. now, <laughs> can you not right? look at last week?
0: No, the complete reset gets oh rid God. of the historical data
1: <laughs> oh my God, so I have like sixteen hours
0: worth of data for you, okay. and eight of them are when I was asleep so so here's here's the thing, Mike. We have talked about screen crimes and screen time for like an hour today. Do you maybe want to do it next time we talk to actually go through what's happening on our phone? I'm happy to I'm happy to take a look at your stuff. But like, I literally can't participate in this conversation because I reset everything
1: yesterday. That's just I, that's completely ruined my uh, outline for the episode. You know what? It's probably best actually that we that we do hold that then. Okay, yeah. And let's we'll do it, let's next, do it time. next time. <laughs> oh my so I don't know, maybe if, if the Cortexans want to play along at home, yeah. you can just <laughs> check your screen time data. Oh, that's yeah. just so annoying. Oh, <laughs> I hadn't realized that. That's so frustrating. Well, I guess we both hadn't realized it until you opened it. I didn't realize it it until now.
0: (laughs) I looked at last week. Nothing. (laughs) Nothing exists. (sighs) Look, I'm in a dimension without time. Nothing existed as far as my phone is concerned
1: until 3 p.m. yesterday. (laughs) This episode is brought to you by FitBod, the fitness app that provides a personalized exercise plan, a fitness plan that actually fits you. When it comes to fitness, FitBod believes everyone can be better whether you're working out a few days a week, maybe you work out multiple times a day. It doesn't matter because FitBod's algorithm uses data and analytics to help you build on your previous workout so your next workout is scientifically proven to be better than your last. FitBod has been fine-tuned by certified personal trainers to bring you the best practices of strength training training your workout program is tailored exactly to suit your needs so it's perfect for your unique body experience environment and goals it can be hard to know exactly how much exercise you need to be doing so fitbot will figure that out for you so you don't have to worry about under or overtraining. and it will also mix up muscle groups and exercises sets and reps and weight over time to keep you on top form at all times because you don't want to spend hours researching to get the best results fitbot does it for you if you're working out at home right Right now, FitBod has so many great body weight only workouts. These are great for indoors or outdoors and if you have no equipment. But if you do have some equipment, they have tons of great options there too. Everything you're going to need. No matter how much equipment you have access to, FitBot is there to help you with the exercise routine that you're looking for. I really love their Apple Watch app when I'm using Fitbod on my iPhone because I can very easily advance from exercise to exercise just using the app on my watch, which stops me from getting distracted by what's going on on my phone so I can keep focus. Fitbod is available on iOS and Android, and you can get started right now by going to fitbod.me slash cortex, and you'll also get 25% off your membership. That's fitbod.me slash Cortex to try out Fitbod for free and get 25% of your Fitbod membership. A thanks to Fitbod for their support of this show and Relay FM.
0: So it's, uh, it's been snowy in London a little bit. Yeah, it's been great. We've actually had like a whole week of snow. It's, mm-hmm. been, it's been lovely. I've loved looking out the window and seeing a little snow coming down.
1: It seems like for some more than others, though. What do you, what do you mean, Mike? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? Some people. Have posted vlogs of their snow inactivity. Oh yeah, actually I, I have seen a lot of London YouTubers
0: actually. They have posted uh yeah. have posted going out in the snow videos.
1: Yeah, but there's one person particularly <laughs> who seems to have had significantly more snow than anybody else in London. Almost oh, yeah? like that's weird. The snow we had a couple of years ago. Huh. Really? It's weird that, right? <laughs> <laughs> So, <laughs> you posted a vlog called London Snow Day on the right. day that it snowed, and a lot of intrepid detectives worked <laughs> out. I mean, it was immediately obvious to me for two reasons. One, I know there wasn't this much snow, and two, <laughs> you're standing really close to a lot of people in this video. <laughs> so what's going on? What are you up uh...
0: to? Yeah, so I actually I posted it a couple of days after the after the London Snow Day, but this is another case of Grey's nonlinear life. huh And the order that things get posted in has very little to do with the order in which they happened, yeah. which I think is sometimes useful for the audience to keep in mind. You know this, this is always the YouTube thing where it's like you post a video on something and someone goes, oh, it's because of this that happened a week ago. And it's like, no, no. This was two years ago.
1: Yeah, but like you can't expect any different from people in this instance, right? If you would have posted this video in June, mm-hmm. I don't think people would go He must be posting this because it snowed three days ago. Mm, I don't know, maybe. You post Uh, (laughs) that and people's immediate thought is Grey's gone out in the streets and has (laughs) recorded a video and is now posting it, right? Because we know it's just snow. We see it's it's snow.
0: And that that is what I did. It just happened three years ago. Like I went out and (laughs) I filmed the snow. and So yes, this video started three years ago, which was the last time we had like an actual big snow. And it was delightful. There hadn't been a, big snowstorm like this in a long time in London. And I was like, I am not going to miss this opportunity. So I went out and went to film it. But what happened, of course, is that I filmed all of this stuff and it's just like with writing. The scripts start really big and the research is vast and it gets narrowed down to like this tiny subsection of things. And it's the same thing with shooting stuff. It's like, oh, I don't know what I'm going to use. Like, Let me just go shoot a bunch of things that I think are interesting. And three years ago, by the time I had started to really get through the footage. It was basically the summertime. I was like, well, nobody wants to watch a vlog about the winter in the summer. You know, this is a terrible time to post it. So my plan was, I'll just shelve this until next winter. And what ended up happening for the next two winters is that I had a little reminder from myself in January to work on the snow vlog to try to get it ready for If there is snow so that I could then post it when there was snow. So it would be a nice alignment of events in the world and and content. Easy peasy. But we didn't get snow. (laughs) And I had this funny experience of wondering, I wonder if I'm ever going to be able to post this video. I wonder if it's ever going to snow again in London because we just kept missing the snow. So anyway, I would tinker with this each winter just in case there was going to be snow. And then this year... I was super annoyed because usually I try to tinker on the video in around January, like that's when I, I feel like I'm in the mood, but I just sort of put it off a little bit. And then out of the blue, we had the snow day and yep. I was not prepared. Like the video wasn't really finished over the past couple of years. I'd always been a little frustrated with it because I thought it's just boring in the earlier edits. So anyway, this project was in Limbo land for a long time. But this year when it snowed, I had this real sense of like, this may be my last opportunity ever. (laughs) So I decided, I was like, okay, listen, Gray, you've got 48 hours to edit this vlog. Whatever you have, you're going to take this time. You're going to get it in the best shape that you can. And at the end of that 48 hours, you're going to make an executive decision. Is it good enough to post? Or is it trashed forever? And then you, like, either way, you'll be done with this project. Like, this thing will be closed, and you'll never have to think about it again. So I spent two days like a crazy person, just really trying to edit it down into something that was nice and tight. And at the end of that time, I thought, okay, it's not the world's most exciting video, but I do think it's fun to publish for the core audience. And I put it up. I was also just really happy because this totally fits into the first season of my yearly theme, which is like clear the decks of trying to get rid of like all of these half done projects that I have. So this feels like a perfect start to this year's theme and like the start of this year's theme is like, okay, make decisions about all these half done projects, like kill them or finish them, but either way be done with them. So. That's the story behind my my little video about the snow.
1: <laughs> Had you seen that people were realizing, and all the conversation was around that, like in Reddit and stuff?
0: Yeah, you know, I saw I saw people wondering like when was it when was it posted? Yeah. There's specifically a shot in there. It's of the construction, which yeah. I feel like anybody in London would know immediately.
1: Like that seemed to be oh. what was really giving it away. <laughs> like, well, I mean, the biggest one is is going on the tube for me. Like, and you see all the people on the tube. And you even Yeah, oh yeah. (laughs) I I enjoyed your editing in this, like the text edit like you put a little text up and it was all animated really well. And I Mm -hmm. noticed specifically that there was like a cough cough sound on the train and you added that in, there's like a little cough cough and so so you know. That was actually
0: just a super weird moment because when I went to edit it this year, that is something I had put in previous like Mm. the previous year or maybe two years ago. And it was just a surreal moment to see like, oh, past me was grossed out by the fact that someone was coughing on the tube, Mm -hmm. like, right in front of me. And I was like, it has a very different valence, like, looking at it now. I'm like, oh, God. (laughs) Right? I think that's
1: why, like, people wouldn't care even if they could tell when it was shot and when it was posted. But I think the difference right now is, like, I don't know if if you get like this, but I'm definitely like this. I watch videos or I see pictures, and I'm, like, hyper-aware of things that seem out of place. Like, people being in the same place together or people being in places that seem peculiar, right? Like, I'm just very hyper aware of it. You mean like when watching movies and stuff? Yeah, but even like stuff that I see like YouTubers doing or whatever, like I kind of just notice like these people seem to be standing too close to each other. Uh, (laughs) There's no masks, (laughs) right? Like, and, and sometimes I feel that even in watching like TV shows that were recorded years ago, like I just have this like feeling of like, whoa, that's too much. And so I think that's why like, people get a little bit hung up on it now because it feels so out of place. Yeah, I'm going to title
0: that agoraphobia by proxy. Mm. And I'm really I'm really trying to like fight this in my brain, like brain, don't think that, right? This this is not helpful. Don't don't like start building up in your head this idea. It's like, no, no, no. No, no. Just just watch the movie, man. Just relax. Just chill out, you know? And then, then the brain whispers again, like, but they're very
1: close to each other. Those people. Can you imagine if it was you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, ex- you yeah exactly.
0: The one that's the worst for me is in movies when two people shake hands. That's that's the one that I can't not think about every mm. time. I can like kind of let it go a little bit in just busy scenes, but when I see two people shake hands, it's always like ah,
1: <laughs> it's totally out of proportion. But uh, yeah, I yeah. wonder. The handshaking is the one that I'm like, I don't know what's going to happen to that. Because I could also imagine that being one of the last things to fall in the return to normal life. Because it was one of the first things that we were told to stop doing.
0: Yeah, I mean, my my bet is... My sad bet is that handshakes aren't going
1: anywhere. No, it will come back. Yeah, But I I think it'll just take a while. When you see something like... um, When people start focusing in on something in a video that wasn't its intention. Mm-hmm. Does it make you feel anything? Like, do, do you feel like it's getting away from you? Or are you kind of just like, you just let it go for whatever it's going to do? What do you mean? Well, like, you know, I, I have these kinds of things where I make a thing and I think it's about this one thing and I really like it. And then people seem to latch on to something completely different, right? So oh, like, oh, you know, we yeah, may have yeah. this big episode of the show and we're like, this is awesome. We really like focused on this one thing and we're really happy with it. And like, we hope people take something away from it. But then all they seem to care about is like this one uh, side thing that is, you know, could be funny or could, or like could be frustrating or whatever. Right. But Mm -hmm. people just focus on that one thing instead. And then all the conversation seems to happen around that. And you're like, but what about this other thing that (laughs) I did? Don't you like what I did for you? And, (laughs) <laughs> everyone just focuses on that one thing instead and like do you, how does that kind of stuff make you feel it's fine there's like
0: two issues here i just recorded the audio for my 10 year q and a yesterday morning uh,
1: i want to talk about that in a minute actually
0: yeah but like so but this is actually one thing that i sort of touched on in, in that like really quickly is there's like this big difference between your intentions as the creator and like the perception of the audience and i th- i think you just you just have to know that that's part of the game is it always happens. Like you think about the thing that you've made in a certain way, but you just don't have any idea how people are going to receive it. Yeah. That's just something you always have to have in mind.
1: Yeah. Like once you put something out into the world, you don't control it anymore. It's not yours anymore. You don't control people's reactions
0: to it is is the way I sort of think about it. And
1: there's like this weird English
0: major type person debate about like, oh, is art the artist? I come down very firmly on like, art is not the artist. A person makes a thing and then there's the thing and there's, there's, then there's people's reactions to the things. And all of those are separate parts. You can evaluate each of them individually. But the other part of this is it's so easy for people to forget. But it's also that you always have to remember like comments, whoever leaves comments you are always looking at the two extremes of people who have watched the thing, Mm -hmm. right? Because there's activation energy to leaving a comment, right? And so most people watch the thing
1: and they don't leave a comment. That means that they will probably fine with
0: it. Yeah, or they liked it enough but they didn't leave a comment or something mildly annoyed them, but they didn't leave a comment. Yeah. They didn't get over that hump. I feel compelled to comment on this thing mm-hmm. because I hated it or I loved it. Mm-hmm. Like, like it's, it's super interesting. You know, you can see um, to like that snow video. If you go on YouTube, right, it's, it's got 400,000 views and has like a couple thousand comments. That's a
1: huge disparity. What is a normal kind of ratio for you? Like what would you kind of expect to see? Like, obviously, this one stuck out, but like... no, no I'm
0: I'm actually not saying that that this one sticks out. I'm saying that this is this is actually pretty normal. Like, I think oh, if, oh, for almost okay. any of the videos, like right. if you look at the view numbers versus the comment numbers, it's always the case that you have a tiny number of people who are commenting.
1: Okay.
0: Again, I'm I'm super happy with this video, and if you look, the vast majority of them
1: are people going like. This video made me so happy. Like, oh, I love this. This is like delightful, wholesome content. Portionally, actually, looking through some of your videos, this one has got way more comments than normal.
0: Oh, the like the ratio mm-hmm. for views to comments. Mm-hmm. Okay, but th- but so that's also not surprising because like when I when I think about a project like this. I was looking at the analytics, you know, there's there's like some weird YouTube decisions you have to make about like what the algorithm will do and how that might affect your channel. And anytime you post something like this, it's always kind of a risk of like, oh, am I destroying my whole career because the algorithm won't like me? But I put up this video because I thought this is a video for the core audience. Mm -hmm. And as I suspected, looking through the analytics behind the scenes. On a normal video, like the main animated videos, the viewers who are subscribers percentage is usually like 40%, maybe 50% if it's particularly high, but usually 40% is like my average number. For that snow video, It was 99%, right? 99% of the people who watched the Snow video were subscribers, which is the highest I've ever seen. And I'm very certain that that 1% were people who are subscribers, but just didn't happen to be logged in, right? Like, I think basically Mm -hmm. no one who wasn't a subscriber saw that.
1: And I guess there is a a, a point, to which is like, the algorithm may have made that happen as well, right? That. Oh, for it, sure, for sure. Like, it's not promoting it outside if only subscribers had been watching it to a certain point. But it, that, that that also does still, it still proves the point that you're making, which is like, this is very clearly a subscriber's video, so therefore subscribers watch it, and therefore the algorithm just pushes it yeah. to subscribers, or not at all, which is probably more likely what happened and people just saw it in their subscription list.
0: Yeah, so uh, I, I know for sure that like, people seeing it in their subscription list is a trivial percentage of this like that that number is basically nothing hmm. almost all of the views come from youtube putting it on the home screen when people just go to youtube.com but it's putting it on the home screens of the people who are subscribers right Right. That. So that's what's happening.
1: I'm such an old man when it comes to YouTube viewing.
0: Because you use the subscription
1: list. I only look at my subscriptions, and then I add things to my watch later queue, and then that's how I watch them. Yeah. I mean, I think that is a better way to use YouTube. I think it's what. What I mean, it's what I came to the platform for originally. Right. Like. Yeah. I w- look. The home screen sometimes will show me something that I do want to see. Mm-hmm. You know, like we just watched The West Wing for the first time, which I. Absolutely Mm -hmm. adored. It was fantastic, and I searched out a video of like I was looking for something. I can't remember what it was now though, but it was related to the West Wing. I think I watched a trailer for something, and then because I'd done that, the home page just started showing me things. It was like, oh, here's a cast interview, and I was like, great, I'll watch that. So like I do see things there, but I never start my YouTube experience on the homepage. Like I am go straight to the subscriptions because that's everything that I want. Because that's right. what I've chosen to see,
0: I think those people tend to be more vocal about using the subscription list, yeah, but but they're not even you know they're a minority of a minority of a minority of the user behavior on youtube like there's there's a reason that YouTube has uh, de-emphasized the subscription list over time. Mm-hmm. I, I just want I want to be clear here. It's very easy to always complain about the algorithm, but what I'm not saying here is like, oh, this algorithm should have showed my video about a snow day to more people. I actually think the algorithm was totally correct in its assessment here. It did its job. It did its job. I actually don't think this is a video that should have been promoted to people who weren't subscribers. What I just think is interesting is like, you know, we've talked about it before that you have these different levels of audience members from like the super super central hardcore audience members to the people who barely know that you exist and are casual viewers you don't have like that kind of casual viewer in podcasting it's not quite the same but you still have that like spectrum within podcasting right and it's just interesting to see like okay so the really weird stuff where i just read a public domain story that's the same thing. Like the number of people who watch that are sub- who are subscribers, I think it was something like 95% or higher were subscribers, right. which also kind of makes sense because there may be a small number of people who are listening to audiobooks on YouTube. So the algorithm might be trying a little bit like, oh, do these people like these? And the answer is no, because I'm still not very good at doing this. <laughs> so again, it's not wrong there, but it's like, oh, okay. That's like the really core central group is like the people who will watch the weird experiments that I put up on the YouTube channel. And then the next group out is like, oh, okay, this vlog is nicely edited. It's actually a video on a video platform. So more people are interested in watching it. But I think the algorithm is correct that like this is not a video to just promote widely to people who are watching videos about London because... I think if you don't know who I am and you don't know my YouTube channel, this is just like completely
1: uninteresting. Yeah, it's like not a good version of a video like this for people that just want a video like this. Yes. Because it's got your personality in it and jokes and stuff that people that know who you are will enjoy it. But if you don't know who you are it's like i don't understand why this is here just as a very obvious style
0: choice why isn't this person in this video yeah yeah <laughs> does, yeah, does yeah. he not know how to frame shots why does this person only
1: show their shoulder what's the point did they not know how to turn the camera around properly? Like, what a moron
0: <laughs> yeah so it's like it's very limited reach in in that way mm. but so going, going back sort of to the original thing though, like thinking about how do people react to something. So, so my bet was, okay, I think I'm making this video. I've gotten it into a place that I like. I think it's a cute little thing for the more central part of the audience. So I'm going to put it up. And then the algorithm is correctly like identifying that and also reaffirming like, yeah, this is for a subsection of the audience, but it's not for everybody. So we're not going to push it to everybody. So you have to think, okay. Already, CGP Grey subscribers are not representative of the general population. And now you've taken a small subset of that population and they have watched this video. And then 1/1000th one one of that small subset has left comments on the video. Right? So like you're way outside the range of what is a typical person's response to this video? Mm. It's not to say that comments don't have value, but I I do, I do think creators sometimes like go a little crazy, not framing the comments in this way. And so like, I look at those comments and, and again, if you go through them, like number wise, I think it may be one of the videos that has the, purest number of positive comments of maybe anything that I've ever made but that's a side effect of like the huge level of selections that have occurred right like i i think many people could watch that video and be like oh it was okay but not really want to leave a comment but i do think for a certain kind of person it just hit them at the right moment and they really loved it and they wanted to leave a comment. And then, but that is also why there is a very small number of people who are like super annoyed that I didn't put a warning at the beginning uh, to be a huge Debbie Downer. This was filmed before the pandemic,
1: pre-COVID. It seemed interesting to me though because the makeup of those comments is like, I feel like the majority of those that I saw or on Reddit.
0: Yeah, oh yeah, there was totally a right? there was totally a split there. But can you tell me
1: why, Mike? Like why might the comments be different on Reddit? So I think there's two reasons. One, it is a intended conversational platform. Mm-hmm. So people ask questions and people communicate. But the other, I think there isn't a high percentage of Reddit users that love to solve a riddle. Oh yeah, totally. They have challenges and they want to solve the challenge and they want to get to the answer. Because I see this stuff a lot, like, and, and it seems like it is a platform which is over-indexed in people that like to solve a riddle.
0: Yeah, for sure. And the, like, I think the platform has that property, then my subreddit has that property squared. Yeah. But it's, it's also, this is again, like follow the logic. It works the same way again. How many comments are there on YouTube? I don't know, like a couple thousand? Mm-hmm. How many comments are there on Reddit? There's a hundred. And then if you also index by how many people posted twice on Reddit, it's like it's probably 50 people leaving comments on Reddit. And now you are like really extremely selecting a small group. And this always goes to like just this. I think it's a generally good way to like think about the world and try to understand things that the narrower you like draw a circle around a group of people, the harder it is to make generalizations and my favorite example of this is always these dumb business books where they're like here's 10 stories of the 10 most successful ceos in the fortune 500 companies right there's nothing to be learned from the extreme outliers like you can't generalize what's a good way to run a business for like a normal person from taking the top 0.00001 percent of people and being like Let's generalize this piece of information. Mm. But yeah, so I think like it's interesting and it's also expected that like comments are different on different platforms. I'm sure if you look like aware oh, is the, if this video is being discussed elsewhere like you should expect the same thing but like it's it's going to be slightly different. Like there's different things have different characters to them. And so again like you sort of have to think about all of that as like I don't know how to put, how to put this. Comments and feedback are useful but you always have to keep this scaling in mind i don't know like kind of like the way in school you can grade on a curve like like you have to do a kind of statistical adjustment for how to think about those comments and the thing that i see is the worst thing that happens to creators is is the the classic like everybody loves your video except that one guy right and so someone makes a video that's hugely popular and people love it but the only thing they can think about is like oh this one person left a mean comment you know and it's like you can you've always got to scale that with what do you as the creator think about those comments like how do you judge it you know do you think that commenter was correct and this is something that you should change or like do you think that they weren't correct Mm. and i just i i always feel bad when i see people like do the the double problem of they think the commenter is incorrect and they're also really bummed about it Again, with this video, the very few comments of people who were like, there should have been a COVID warning at the beginning of this video. I don't agree. (laughs) And I make timeless content. Only the core audience is watching this video anyway, who's like totally aware of my weird style. And the vast majority of comments are super happy about this. Now, those Mm -hmm. comments are scaled in a funny way because of the selection process. But this video is targeted more towards that end of the spectrum anyway. So Mm. this is kind of what I mean by like, you've got to scale it towards what are you trying to achieve? Uh What information can be gained from the extremes while keeping in mind that the extremes are on both ends? The other thing that we've talked about before is there's almost no video that I can post at this point where if you get like 100,000 people or a million people to watch a thing, where several people will say, oh, this is my favorite video ever. But it's just a side effect of the number of people who are watching a thing. Mm-hmm. And you can't really take that information on board and generalize it and be like, oh my God, people really like this thing. And it's like, no, no, no. At a certain point, everything is going to be someone's favorite thing and everything is going to be the thing that they hate the most and finally leave over. Like, it's just always going to happen. So Mm -hmm. you can't, you can't like internalize that. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like that was a lot, Mike.
1: (laughs) It is a thing that is prevalent in making things. And I know that I still struggle with the outlier negative ones. Like I still struggle with those Mm -hmm. from time to time, which I think is, is something that You know, in talking to creative people, I know it's a problem for a lot of people. Yeah, it's very common because when you are in a position where you're lucky enough to make stuff that people really enjoy, you you get more used to people saying like, "I really liked this thing," "This is Mm -hmm. great," "Like I really enjoyed it," or they'll want to talk to you about it. And if they just want to talk to you about it, it probably suggest that they enjoyed it, right? They're just like, hey, you said this thing and I wanna talk about it, like it's, it's interesting. Which means that you're less likely to see the negative stuff, like this is terrible, this person's stupid, like they don't know what they're talking about. So I know that I still, on occasion, get more hung up on those than I would like. Mm-hmm. And that's even after 10 years, I still fixate on them sometimes. I'm definitely better, Mm-hmm. Like the one thing that I have gotten way better at is trying to debate people on these points, <laughs> you know, like I, <laughs> right. that, that was like a thing that I used to do a lot and it is very rare that I'll do it. And if I ever do these days, it's, it's with a, an intention, which is more than just trying to prove somebody wrong, you know, mm-hmm. but it's definitely still something that stings sometimes more than I want it to.
0: Yeah. And, and I want to be clear, like, I think that is totally natural. I think that is the normal way to be. I don't know. This is also one of these cases where in, in my own conversation with creators like I'm totally a a weird outlier from discussions with colleagues.
1: Well, also I think there is a scale thing where I am better with audience sizes in the tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands or whatever now. So like I get that proportion. Then, like, when I was dealing with audience sizes of 1,000 or whatever, and, you know, you get your proportions there. But you're in the scale of audiences of millions, and I think the the larger you go up that scale, the more used to it you get, because the amount of negativity increases, like... With that stuff, and so you're just more used to seeing it. I don't know. I just think I I know I've gotten better over time, and I think it helps for you that some of the scale that you deal with is is larger than than the scale I deal with, for example. So I think like,
0: it's been interesting, you know, working with you over these years, and and you've totally gotten a lot better mm-hmm. at trying to like contextualize comments. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm gonna wildly disagree with you here that okay. the scale helps because again, I'm often just shocked by colleagues who have channels much larger than mine who will get really derailed by mm. a handful of negative comments among 10,000 comments right yeah. like but and this is this is what i mean by for anyone who's thinking about making stuff on the internet i think it's useful to hear this so that you can try to distance yourself from it a little bit I just think that human brains are, for good reasons, overtuned to be sensitive for negative comments. Like I, I think there like there's there's reasons that that's the case. Mm-hmm. But, like, you just have to understand that this is the way that your brain works, that there's a dial in here, which, in our past, may not have been incorrectly set that, A thousand good things does not outbalance one bad thing said by a person directly to you. And I'll also mention something else here, which has helped some people, but some people don't get this, but I think one of the other weird things about reading comments that creators have to be really careful about is when you read something, you read it in your own voice
1: in your head. Oh, that's horrible. Oh, why? Okay, why is that horrible? Because that's I hate that thought. I'd never thought of it that way before, but I'm saying it to myself. Yes. Like people don't
0: realize this. Okay, so you're having the reaction that I was hoping, which is for some people, this feels like a big realization when I say
1: it. Maybe it's it's it also goes with that. The thing that me and you have spoken about before that I read in my own voice. Yeah. Maybe people that don't read in their own voices maybe wouldn't experience it the same. I don't know.
0: Yeah, this, this is also why like some, some people just don't vocalize, which is a whole different thing. But, but yes, for people who read in their own voice, one of the things that you just don't think about is you're reading the comments in your own voice. So there is a way in which it's a bit like you're thinking the thought that someone else wrote down and you just kind of don't realize that. Or again, you don't scale it properly. Whereas if, for example, you were only allowed to read comments if you also read them out loud in a neutral voice, I think it would become much clearer very quickly, like, oh, saying these bad things has a very different effect because it's like I'm saying them to myself. It's not like someone else is saying them to me, right? I also just think that's something useful to keep in mind when you're going through comments is you can't help but hear them in your own voice so again you have to scale down how personally do I take this because I'm not thinking these thoughts these are the thoughts of someone else but I can't not think them in my own voice which is my brain artificially scaling them up so I kind of have to think about it and turn this dial down when I read them.
1: Uh, this, there's a funny thing happening to me right now where I'm like, oh, this is a really interesting, like good cortex conversation. Like I think people will hear this and they'll be like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. And then the Reddit thread is just all going to be about something completely different. oh Oh, yeah (laughs) i can feel it happening right now that i'm like oh people i know that people are going to be talking about this moment and like oh man grace said that thing and it's like it really resonates but everyone's going to be talking about like the cables that you use on your microphone
0: everyone's going to either be talking about levels levels Mm -hmm. or they're going to be talking about how i don't know how to use downtime and i can accomplish everything that i want to do if i just do whatever no right? i know Which what you completely... could been just just
1: switch to android that's all it's gonna take
0: right yeah but so yeah again this is what happens like i think you and i over the years many times we've had like oh what a great episode that was this this particular section was fantastic and like no one comments on that section and <laughs> it's fine that's just the way it goes because you also have to keep in mind like when that happens what i think is occurring is that yes many listeners like i don't think we're wrong as creators when we think we've had a good segment on the show Mm -hmm. but what we can easily be wrong about is what puts people over the activation energy to leave a comment and you have to think of activation energy from two levels it's how motivated is the person but there's also the ease of the comment Mm. and so easier comments have lower activation energy and so sometimes like the deeper or more complicated parts of a conversation get commented on less because their activation energy is higher relative to the like the intensity that the person has to feel right so the person has to feel like four times more intense to leave a comment that's twice as complicated as saying, just do this. So, th- so that's, that's the other part of it as well. <laughs> Comments. There's
1: a lot to them, Mike. This episode of Cortex is brought to you by Inside the Breakthrough, a new history of science podcast full of did-you-know stuff like... Did you know that Marie Curie wasn't French? She was Polish, and her father was part of the resistance against the Russians that ruled Poland back then, and he taught her physics in secret in the basement of their house. Inside the Breakthrough explores the idea of Eureka Moments. It's historical wisdom mixed with modern insight. You can think of it as a kind of a history show and a science show, but with some comedy thrown in too. It's hosted by Dan Riskin, and he is no stranger to comedy. He's appeared on Craig Ferguson's Late Late Show, for example. If you're intrigued by science or discovery, or maybe you just want to have something new and fun to talk about over dinner, this is the show for you. Maybe you want to know, can you prevent polio by cleaning the streets? Who brought the first elephant to England? Does snake oil actually contain snakes? Was Ignaz Semmelweis a genius or a fool? On the surface, this show is a collection of fun, entertaining, and surprising stories from the history of science. But Dan Riskin digs deeper and connects those old stories to what modern-day medical researchers are facing. I listened to an episode that focused on stories like Alexander Fleming's discovery of penicillin, and it really helps highlight how these eureka moments, they actually take tons of work, even if they appear to be all-of-a-sudden type things. Uh, I thought it was really great to hear the stories of how big problems are solved, and I loved hearing about people's thought processes. Dan says on the show that they make science come to life. I agree. Search for Inside the Breakthrough anywhere you listen to podcasts, and there'll be a link in the show notes too. Our thanks to Inside the Breakthrough for their support of this show and Relay FM. You referenced 10 years on YouTube. You have your 10 year Q&A. Yeah. You know, I just didn't want the episode to go by without at least mentioning it. What is the date? Uh, The 10 years has passed. It was January 31st. Oh, my birthday. Is it really? Yeah. Oh, you knew that you wish me happy birthday. I mean, what do you know? You don't know what time you think it's June. <laughs> June 31st is my birthday in your mind. I,
0: I think I just didn't make the connection because I knew there was no universe in which I was going to put the Q&A up on the date. So I just didn't make right. the connection when I messaged you for your birthday. Yeah. But yeah, it was um, 31st, <laughs> 10 years ago. So yeah, it's, it's already
1: passed. How do you feel about 10 years? Uh, I don't know. I
0: mean, I think this, I think this is part of the problem. Like when I was trying to put together the Q&A, I actually found it quite hard to select the questions. Mm. Okay. So here's a little secret for doing Q and A's. You always think they're going to be easier, but they're not easier. And part of the reason that they're not easier is it's surprisingly hard to select good questions from people. What are a bunch of questions that can have interesting answers put them together so that they're not just a random sequence of things, you know, try to like arrange them so that there's a nice little flow. I always think Q&As are going to be easy and then I'm always sad to learn every time just like last time it's harder than you thought, you idiot. But this one was particularly hard. And I think I'd I'd summarize the reason for that being I guess I realized that a lot of people ask questions about long periods of time in ways that I just don't think about it at all. And so when you ask, how does it feel to be doing YouTube for 10 years? I mean, the the real answer is, like, it doesn't feel like anything. Mm. People in their questions expect, I don't know, have some amazing sense of accomplishment right or the one that one that really surprised me which i even tried to write this into the q a but it just didn't work Is like i was astounded by the huge portion of of questions which revolved around regret in some form
1: what would you do differently that kind of thing
0: not even what would you do differently but like straight up what's the thing that you regret the most i was just totally surprised
1: what's that about
0: I I don't know, but I think that is something about for most people maybe when they're thinking over long periods of time in the past, regretful items stand large on the landscape and so are
1: easy to think about. I think people that are interested in doing what you've done, they want to know what to look out for, you know, like just in general, like people just want to make sure they're doing it right and they're not going to mess up.
0: Yeah, I don't, I don't think so, because no? I'm not considering questions like people would ask, what would you do differently if you were starting today? Yeah. I would not put that in the bin of this is a regretful question, okay. right? That's a more actionable question of that's basically another way of asking if I was starting now, what should I do? Right. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what that is. So I, I don't think it's that. I think it's something else. And I just mm. found it really surprising of just like the huge number of questions. Mm. I basically had to just totally throw away because people are like, what do you regret over the last 10 years the most? I'm like, I don't know. Nothing. Like, I don't I don't think about it this way. Like, I'm sure there are things that I would have done differently. But I just I don't know. I, in some ways, I th- I think but like setting up oh i have a 10 year anniversary coming up in a surprise probably to none of the hardcore listeners it just again reminded me like oh i don't care at all about the past <laughs> right like the past just totally doesn't exist for me mm-hmm. and so i just set myself up in a weird way to answer questions that almost all of them are like i don't know how to answer this what do i regret the most oh i don't know what what would i do differently nothing if i'm pretty
1: happy with the way it worked out i don't know right that's always the problem with this question is it's about who you're asking if the person you're asking considers themselves to be in a good place they don't have Hmm. regrets really because it's a little like platitude-esque but you're only where you are because everything you've done before led to it yeah so you can't change something from the past if you like where you are so there aren't regrets
0: yeah this this sort of relates to i once had a friend tell me what i thought was like a fantastic way to think about something so was, this, this friend used to be like a very envious person mm-hmm. you know it would always be like oh you know I, I want the success of that person i want the fame of that person and the framing in their mind changed one day to realize you can't just pick and choose the best parts of other people's lives mm. that you would want to add to your life. Yeah. That when you look at another person, what you have to think about is, would you trade the entirety of your life for the entirety of their life?
1: That's nice.
0: And, and that for him, he realized, oh, there's no one on earth that he would do that for. Would you give up everything that was your life? in exchange for everything that's for the other person's life. And I always thought, oh, man, what a great way to think about that. Like, mm. I've I've never conceptualized that. But I think that's very much like the way that I look at the past, which is, you know, when people ask these questions about what would you change, it's like, but if you change one thing, you have to change literally everything that happened after that thing. And so there's like, there's nothing in my past that I would change, where I would also be willing to change everything that occurred after that thing. So yeah, sorry, Mike. I have no feelings about what it is to be running a YouTube channel for 10 years. And I didn't really think about that before I asked people to submit
1: me questions about what it's like to run a YouTube channel for 10 years. (laughs) I mean, I I didn't really expect you to give me too much of a different answer than the one that you gave me to my question. Okay, good. (laughs) Part of it is that I just went through this last year. Right. I marked my 10 years and marked it by doing nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I spoke about it on the show, like, it didn't really feel like it was the right time anyway. It was in April, right? Like, yeah. celebrate me as you commiserate the state of your lives.
0: It, it was a bad time to ask everyone to, to like, yeah, celebrate you, yeah. for sure.
1: But at the same time, you get to a certain point and these things become both more frequent and. You know, like you've done these things a bunch of times. Like you feel like, oh, one year, two years, five years that like you just at a certain point it just keep it just keeps happening provided you continue going. Well mm-hmm. also actually the longer you get away from the start, the more this has just been your life. Yeah. And so it's harder to reflect on it that way, I think. Because it's like, all right, so I've done this for a third of my life now. <laughs> like, right. I don't really have a concept anymore of me before this. So it's hard to think about the fact that something is happening here.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, it, it is and, and I've written about this before, but uh, you know, I'm, I'm very much a believer of this like decade death that after 10 years, you're just not the same person in a, in mm. a really meaningful way. Like I don't I don't think that is a metaphor you know, I think that that is a true statement that you can be considered fundamentally just a completely different person. And mm-hmm. uh, I only went with 10 years because it sounds nice to just have an even round number like a decade. But I, I think the number is shorter than that. You know, it's, it, it may be different for different people, but, you know, I, th- I think the reality is like, a decade is this statement is true for everyone and it's you know it's probably true for 80% of people after 8 years and 50% of people after 5 years or whatever you know depending on the circumstances of your life and how much things have have changed so yeah there there is this weird way in which you're totally right that the closest i have to this is i feel like on one hand there is a way where it feels like i have always done this thing and i think that that is Literally true for the person who I am now. My wife and I joke about this all the time, that we didn't get married. Some pair of kids got married. Whoa. And we live together because those kids got married. (laughs) And we both think that that's true. Like We really feel quite strongly that that, again, is literally true.
1: I am a completely different person to the person that I was two or three years ago. Right. Completely different. Like really like so much has changed in my life and I have changed Mm -hmm. so much in my life that I am effectively a different person now. Yeah. I hadn't thought of it in those specific terms, but it is, it's like those people, we are not those people anymore. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. You know, just like the
0: comments scaling up and down, you, You, just it's helpful to think about, things in certain ways i think this is a a useful idea to keep in mind you're not forever the person that you were you're literally a different person after a certain period of time and that can scale with just sheer number of years or that can scale with the number of things that have happened you know whatever so yeah there is the the on the one hand there's the feeling just like with oh i didn't get married like i've always been married the me who is now there's a feeling of oh i didn't start my YouTube career. I've always done YouTube. I came into this universe doing YouTube. But there is, on the other hand, I I do still have this odd feeling of YouTube is the new thing. It still does feel in my head like it's the new thing that I'm doing. Even though when I actually like look at the amount of time that i have spent in my life on various things there is no metric by which youtube is the new thing Mm -hmm. right it's like oh depending on how you want to count you know years as a teacher it's like i've either just over or just under done twice as much time on youtube as i ever did as a teacher Mm
1: -hmm.
0: yeah it's not the new thing but there is some part of my brain that just feels that way i mean i guess that's like the closest i can say to how does it Feel after 10 years is building on everything you've just said. It's like, oh, it feels eternal and it feels new, I guess.
1: This episode of Cortex is brought to you by Squarespace. Make your next move with Squarespace because they will let you easily create a website for your next idea or project. They'll give you a unique domain name, award winning templates, and so much more to make your next project perfect. I love Squarespace and I've used them for over 10 years. When I want to put something online, I go to Squarespace first. It is an all-in-one platform. I don't have to worry about anything and neither do you. Nothing to install, patch or upgrade. You don't have to care about any of that because Squarespace take care of it all for you. And when you're setting up your Squarespace site, if you have any questions, you need any help, well, they have a 24-7 customer support team. They're right there to help you answer any questions you may have. If you want to create a blog, a site for an event that you're hosting online, maybe you want to sell something in an online store. No matter what type of website you want to make, and there's so many more you can make, Squarespace has the tools for you. It's so easy to use and you can try it out for free and I want you to. Go to squarespace.com cortex you sign up right now no credit card required to get access to their trial and you can build your entire website and see what it's going to look like and when you're ready to launch it to the world you just sign up for one of their plans to start at just $12 a month. But if you use the code Cortex at checkout, you will get 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain and show your support for this show. Once again, that's squarespace.com Cortex and the code Cortex for 10% off your first purchase. Our thanks to Squarespace for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. Squarespace, make your next move, make your next website. You know, we started early today which is obviously peculiar for us. And I mentioned that I actually kind of changed my sleeping pattern for the day and last night to make sure that I was awake in time for the episode today. (laughs) Because I've been like, you know, for ages now, going to bed at 2.30 and waking Mm -hmm. up at like 9.30. That's been my specifically ingrained pandemic sleeping schedule. And I know that last time, you'd made reference to the fact that your sleep was all over the place. And I know some people were sending in some follow-up for you (laughs) as like commiserating with you and things that they had tried. And I just wondered like, A, has your sleep schedule changed? And B, have you done anything to try and change it? Uh, Yeah. This has been been a
0: weird show in many ways, Mike. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. Is this is this what happens when we record in the morning that the that the show is all over the place? Because Probably I'm I'm looking at our show notes and this is one of these cases where, okay, we are on point number three of reviewing things from last time. (laughs) (laughs) It's been
1: a it's been a weird show. Well, we'll blame Apple. Yeah, we'll blame Apple. Because they ruined your screen time crimes. Right. Right, that I can't blame Apple. It was entirely my fault. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> if you'd just checked your calendar, none of this would have happened. Yes,
0: that's that's true. Before I say something, like you're saying your pandemic schedule is two thirty in the morning to nine thirty in the morning. Wasn't that your normal schedule? I don't understand. How is it different in the pandemic?
1: It wasn't as bad when I was going to the studio. Right, it was maybe an hour or so shifted in the opposite direction. Right? so I'd be up by like eight eight thirty
0: and to bed at one thirty yeah, oh okay, okay, so you've just shifted an hour, that's what you' yeah. done, but oh, okay.
1: you know it has been worse than that too, you know, like going to bed at like three thirty and stuff like i've and so like i've I've been able to shift it a little bit, but it, 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 at the moment it is an hour or so in the wrong direction for me, i think
0: hmm. So, so you want to bump it back an hour
1: that ideally, yeah, but at the moment, I just don't have right. a reason <laughs> right, because time is meaningless. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> I like that. That's like a like an aspirational sleep schedule. Oh, I'd mm. I'd like to move it back an hour, not for any practical reason, just for well, like
1: right now. There's no practical reason to do it. Like when mm. I'm going back to the studio again, I will want to be leaving earlier in the day so I can get to the studio at the time that I would like to start working. Right, but right mm. now I don't have a commute, so there's kind of there's no point for me in trying to change it. Ah, right. Okay, right, got it. No matter what time I wake up, or provided I'm awake for it, I'm most productive <laughs> around like 10.30 to 12, 10.30 to mm-hmm. 1. So if I'm at home, I don't need to be up until like nine 9.30 to make that happen. Right. But if I'm going to the studio, I don't want to still be on the way at 10, 10.30. Right, you know? right, okay. That makes sense, that makes
0: sense. Sleep is rough. Like I said last time, the variance in my sleep schedule was just has been all over the place in this pandemic. I, mm. I I wish it was like you and it just got shifted an hour, but it it really has been like too many little extreme spikes in either staying up very late or or waking up very late. And as part of the like get things in order for this year, I do feel like it's the most foundational thing that I've been trying to tackle. All joking aside, I really think that me trying to fix my sleep schedule is part of the reason why I've especially had no sense of time in January and the start of February, because I just found it brutally hard. Let me just explain some of the constraints here. So I like to work early in the morning. The main reason for doing this is one, by getting up earlier, I get more, not just work done, but the quality writing work done. Mm. And... I feel happier when the afternoon rolls around. If I've gotten in like a a nice writing or research or intense work morning, it's like, okay, great. I feel, I feel good and I'm happy. And I just know that if I sleep in late, it's like, I'm, I'm way easier to miss my prime hours. And then it's just like, okay, this is a day where maybe I can get lower quality work done, but I'm just kind of bummed also. And you have one of these days that are the worst where you don't get a lot of work done, but you also don't relax. You're just you're just in this terrible zone of, oh, I wish I had gotten more done. And so in the past, I've always been able just to brute force waking up at the right time just with setting an alarm on my watch, like so the watch vibrates and just like get up and you're going to have a a few bad days, but you know, you you can push through this and you can get back on your schedule, you know, after you come back from traveling or whatever. But yeah, it's just not working this time around. And while people were very helpful with suggestions, I, I forgot to iterate that I have a constraint here, which is that my wife sleeps later than I do. Like her schedule is a lot closer to your schedule. So what, what I'm not willing to do is I'm not willing to have an alarm that will also wake her up in the morning right like it's just right. it's just totally unfair to have someone like be pulled out of sleep you know an hour and a half or two hours before they're gonna get up like i just think that's awful mm-hmm. and so yes i'm fully aware that there's like all of these fun different kind of alarms that people can have and we have one of these like sunset alarms that you know that's what my wife uses to get up in the morning and it's great but I'm not going to have the sun rise for both of us when I want to get up and then turn it off I can't have a too aggressive alarm so yeah I don't know I've I've been really trying to focus on this trying to go to bed at reasonable times and trying to wake up at reasonable times but it's it's just been much harder than I expected but there's a couple of things that have helped in the last 2 weeks and one of them is i think i've realized oh part of my problem is that for for whatever reason during pandemic time i think i've just been calculating how much sleep i need wrong for the whole of my life you know as long as i've ever had sleep trackers i've been a very consistent 7 hours basically on the dot kind of person even if i can sleep in later like i just don't but I think one of the things that's that I'm realizing is for whatever reason, you know, maybe it's the complete lack of stimulus in my environment for a year, who knows? I think I need to add like another hour or 90 minutes on top of that. And I think that's part of the reason why I've been just like blowing past my watch alarm in the morning is oh this has changed, like something biologically in your brain has changed and you actually just need more sleep now and you just weren't calculating it right. So I I think that's partly helped. And then the other thing that I just totally forgot about existing was melatonin pills, right, for going to sleep. And so I've been using those in the last two weeks, helping myself get to sleep. And it's
1: been better it's still not great but it it's been better why do you think you need this extra hour i don't know i
0: i have no idea i mean like what drew you to this conclusion looking at the data so like my phone does the sleep tracking stuff uh you know with my apple watch Mm -hmm. and again this is just one of these things where brains are weird and dumb and the sleep tracking data very routinely was showing like Oh, you're blowing past your wake-up time by an hour to an hour and a half, at least every day. <laughs> it's like, okay. I think I'm just calculating this wrong. Like for whatever reason, my body just wants to sleep longer. And this is showing up in the data. Unlike anything that's ever happened in my life before, I can't rely on a lighter alarm to wake me up. Some part of me wakes up just enough to turn off the alarm and that's it. You know, and it's like No consciousness ever happens here. Like nighttime gray just turns off the alarm and we're going to keep going. So, yeah, I just think it just came out of the data. Like, okay, I need this longer sleep. Okay. Accept that move the sleep schedule earlier so that you still have the like core working hours in the morning, but you're going to sleep in time to catch that wake up time. So, Mm. That's what's been going on in the, in the past six weeks to a month, but I, it has been just weirdly brutal trying to move this schedule and I'm kind of mentally considering that, oh, 2021, it didn't start in January. We're just going to write off, like, that doesn't really count. January was a transition month. Maybe 2021, Valentine's Day feels like a lovely start. That, that's when we're really going to consider the year to begin is Valentine's Day.
1: Why? What do you expect happening post Valentine's Day?
0: This is one of these cases where your expectations did not match reality. Right. I was really thinking like, okay, in January, I have a bunch of time to like get ahead of of writing on a bunch of projects that I'm working on and I'm gonna Mm -hmm. do this. But if there's one thing that messing around with sleep effect, quality of writing dramatically decreases. And so I've uh. I've found myself working on other projects so that I'm still moving stuff forward. But it's like, man, I did not get a quarter of my dream amount of writing done in January, and I think it just totally relates to trying to iron out the sleep schedule. So that's why I'm kind of like writing off that month, be like, it doesn't it doesn't count. That was a transition month. So, with the melatonin pills, and trying to move the schedule and elongate it, it's like, oh, amount of writing has definitely gone up in the past two weeks. It's still not where I want it to be, but I feel like it's getting better. So I was just kind of thinking like, okay, Valentine's Day is, is the actual mental start for the year. That is also part of the reason why the snow video got made in the end, because video editing work. It's something I can definitely do if I'm still a little sleepy.
1: Yeah, (laughs) right. it doesn't require the same mental energy for you. It's way easier.
0: (laughs) It's not less time consuming. In some weird ways, it's actually more time consuming because I can't, for example, say I'm going to spend the next 48 hours under normal circumstances and spend all of that time writing that can happen on an extremely rare case by case basis. But that is totally possible with video editing. I'm just going to watch this a hundred times and make changes each time that I think make it a little better. And at some point it'll be good enough. So, okay. I don't know if I, don't know if I, should, if I should say this now. Uh-oh. Or, if I should, or if I should say it on more text. Just the more Texans here. But you know how we were talking about comments? What do people say when you release videos?
1: Uh-huh.
0: And there's, there's totally this effect, which is when you do something different or new, You will get many comments where people say, oh my god, I can't believe that this is what this person is going to do forever now. Whatever has occurred right now is what will happen for forever, right? And so I've mostly gotten over that with my YouTube channel. I feel like people know the deal that sometimes I post random stuff, but but because of the sleep stuff and because I wasn't doing a lot of writing, I thought, okay, well, I've got a couple of other projects I want to try to clear the decks of. And the other one is also a kind of vloggy video, which at this point is mostly done. It was slowly dawning on me with horror. Oh, it's very likely that the next video that really will be finished will be this vlog. And then I will have posted two vlogs in a row Mm -hmm. and I will have to deal with a hundred million comments from people going oh my god I can't believe CGP Grey has changed his entire YouTube channel to be vlogs right now. <laughs> yeah because once twice now you can draw a line right now this is like so a, a this is a pattern <laughs> <laughs> listen audience this is not the future this is just what happens sometimes you get two things that are the same that finish about the same time but it's like it's not the plan <laughs> So anyway, that's what's been going on with my sleep and like work and, and all the rest of it. I'm hoping next time we record that I will have it much more under control. Like I I do feel like I've made progress, but it's just taken a long time and it's been much slower than I than I expected it would be.
1: I don't know. I feel like from now this is going to be like the the note taking follow up where I want to ask you <laughs> and you say don't ask me. <laughs> <laughs> Have you heard the good word about obsidian, Mike? <laughs>